I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you for spending part of it with us. DeMarco Farr, JB Long, downtown LA Live Studios. Something's missing. Maurice. Who? Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew is missing. I, I, there's a chair, and it's empty. Yeah. Where is, where's Maurice? Empty headset. What's going on? I apologize, guys. Well, who's that? <clears throat> yes, uh, I'll be working <laughs> Thursday uh, night football, so I had to do this one from the crib. Wow. We're here. JB's here. <laughs> so here's my thing. When they, when they need a Jacksonville expert, right? What is it, Jacksonville-Miami? Uh. Do they just, like, Press the bat phone. Is it like speed <laughs> dial, right, to Maurice Jones' roof for anything Jacksonville-related? You know, what happens is I get calls late at night, or in, and they'll email, like, at 9 o'clock at night and be like, hey, are you available tomorrow? And it's like, well, if you'd asked me a couple of days ago, possibly. Well, we really need you. Wow. And then and that, I, I should have known this was coming, but, you know, I've been so focused on what the Rams have been doing, I, I totally forgot who was on Thursday night tonight. Well, it's nice to be needed. Always, no doubt. in any circumstances. Uh, 2-0 and against 2-0 and this week, and uh, you, can I throw a wet blanket over this entire show? Why? This is the least important game the Rams play in all of September and October. Uh, it's, just, ni- it's nice to be off to a good start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You but mean in terms of the playoff race? In terms of oh, consequences. Okay. If yeah, you were yeah. to lose a game in the first two months, this would be the one you want to lose. I'm not saying they're going to. I'm not saying they should. This is the non-title bout. Yeah, I It's just you. a little bit of a come down from where we were against the Cowboys to open SoFi Stadium and then going on the road to Philadelphia with a chance to send, I think, an East contender to 0-2. Oh, no doubt. Uh, but, I mean, look, it's another game, and uh, Buffalo is a tough team. They're 2-0. and Somebody 0 somebody's O must go. So uh, these are going to be fun. But I, I get you. I, I didn't even think about it that way. But, I mean, you want to get everyone that you can. Um, I don't think this is the one where you play the JV. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> you, you want to line up and try to beat these guys. I, I guarantee you this, uh, from what the Rams are doing, from all the, I guess, Stephen A. Smith had them as the fifth best team in the NFL. Did you see that? Oh, they're hot again now. So they're getting love. So I bet that Buffalo is going to be fired up to play you. You know, I mean, you're not going to, you know, catch these guys napping. They know you're coming. They know Aaron's coming. You know, they know Jared Goff is coming. So, uh, I bet Buffalo is going to be fired up to get to 3-0. Speaking of JV, that's kind of who the Bills have been beating up, isn't it, Maurice? I mean, they, listen, I, I wouldn't – I never want to disrespect an NFL team, guys, but let's be honest. The, the Jets have been, you know, a mess since two, three years ago. They still are trying to fight their way through it. They've had some good picks, but – Guys have opted out because of the COVID situation. Guys are hurt. You're playing against, you know, guys that are coming off the street. That was that. The, the Miami Dolphins um, were supposed to be so much better this year, but they still have a lot of issues as well. They haven't really played a contender yet. And I think that's what makes this game, even though it doesn't have much implications on the NFC, that's what makes this game so important. Like, this is a statement game. If you go to Buffalo and you hand Buffalo – uh, an L similar the way you did Philadelphia Eagles, you put the whole league on notice. 
Yeah, I'm being facetious a little bit no, and yeah, no playing down you. this yeah, game yeah. only because it falls right in the middle of a stretch where you basically try to become the NFC East champion, right? Right. Like, by the time the Rams turn their attention to NFC West play, they could literally, literally claim the NFC East playoff spot, <laughs> which which is interesting. <laughs> which this, is, this is stepping yeah. out into the AFC. And, and, look, I think we know the Bills are good, right, despite who they've played so far. This is a playoff team from a year ago. What's different, what's striking, two things. Stephon Diggs. Wow, what a difference maker. And we'll talk a lot about his matchup with Jalen Ramsey. And then Josh Allen has turned a corner. Yeah, he's turned a lot of corners, and he turned them into touchdowns. Um, You know, dare I say, this guy's got some Cam Newton in him. He's got that same sort of ability. He's a big dude that can scramble. He can sling it. He can throw it all over the yard. I like watching the guy play. I do. Um, And I think this quarterback is, is a nightmare matchup for a team like the Rams. I do wonder how McDermott is going to attack the Rams, how Dayball is going to attack the Rams. I would go back and use the same thing that they used against the Jets. I'd spread them out. I'd let Allen be my running game and try to throw it all over the yard. And really, I mean, outside of Aaron Donald, who really do you fear on that D-line to get to you if you're just rushing with four? Is that, but when you say it's a nightmare matchup, is, is it in that regard that you're most intimidated if you'll allow it? Well, okay, go back to week one um, where, where Dak Prescott, well, Zeke, Elliott had success running the football, breaking tackles. But towards the end of the game, when Dak started to pull it down and made you, and making you yep. pay uh, for a lack of pass rush, well, there's only so long you can cover in the back end, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, without consistent pressure. So now you're facing a guy, this is what he does. He makes you pay. And they, they have called runs for him. So, yeah, this is going to be a, a tough matchup. I, I would bet it's going to be – Four wides and and let him be that guy for that day. I mean, you've played Dak, you've played Carson Wentz, who each have an element of that. But this side of Lamar Jackson, Maurice, Josh Allen is that guy. Well, I think uh, DeMarco is right. Like when you talk about Josh Allen, his ability to break tackles, his ability to pull down and run. Um, what makes it more scary is that you have a guy like Stephon Diggs on the outside. So before the last, the first couple of years. He could do all this running and stuff. You're like, all right, whatever. We'd rather you do that because you can't throw the ball. Like, we'll, we'll D these other guys up. But when you put Stephon in, you actually move everyone into their proper position. You move John Brown to the number two receiver, which he's going to – you know, he's been a number one in some uh, in some uh, offenses and teams that he's been on, but he's better suited to be a number two. Cole Beasley then moved to the slot where he can excel in the slot. And so uh, Stephon Diggs just adds a different element, which – then enhances Josh Allen's running ability. And I think DeMarco is right. If if I'm going against the Rams and I'm a little bit nervous on what kind of blitzes they can bring and the pressure, I'm just going to empty it out. We're just going to be in five wides or everyone's going to be in, in an empty formation, and I'm going to make it as clear as day for Josh Allen to go out there. And then I'm going to make your DBs try to tackle this 240-pound guy who we saw throw linebackers off him last week, and we're going to spread the ball around the yard. And, and again, everything that we're going to do, is going to be to attack Aaron Donald. So if we do have a back in the backfield, it's going to be an RPO, which the Buffalo Bills have that in their repertoire. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I truly believe this. And, and I know we'll get into it a little bit more. But there's a reason you paid Jalen Ramsey for this type of game. This is the reason. You guess what? Stephon Diggs has come over and been this light. You have to put that light out. And then we'll worry about everybody else with everything else we have. Yeah, you know, we don't have to delay it. I was going to talk about Jared Goff, kind of three straight weeks. He's been compared to the opposing quarterback and probably not been given the benefit of the doubt, even though he's 
starred and is 2-0. Let's save that for the next segment, and let's go right to the featured matchup then. Stephon Diggs and Jalen Ramsey. Both teams gave up huge hauls in terms of draft capital to get these guys. Who wins, right? Who wins that matchup whose team probably wins the game? I, I think uh, it's funny because i got to throw Josh Allen into that same mix because it's not just a one-off. It's not Diggs versus Ramsey. <clears throat> Ramsey's going to be playing the quarterback as well. So um, yeah, I, I don't think Josh Allen or the Buffalo Bills would be crazy enough, like Miami, to target Diggs 13 times when Ramsey's all over him. That would be absolutely crazy. I don't think that would be a good return on investment. Yeah, the, Mi- the Miami deal is kind of an yeah. outlier because you have Byron Jones who is locked up on him. He right. gets injured the first drive, and then you're dealing with a rookie as his backup. I don't see that. Um, I, d- I don't think you'd make hay with that, and I think Ramsey probably steps in one- in front of one or two. That-, that would just be too dangerous. The guys I do worry about is a guy like John Brown versus a Troy Hill versus whoever else is going to be on him. Uh, I remember years ago he absolutely sp- just – gave Tremaine Johnson hell mm. in Arizona. A uh, hundred and some odd yards. He's he's a he's a good number two type guy to have that if you're so focused on stopping digs, he's the kind of guy that kills you. And Maurice, we've talked about Justin Smith and how he used to hold guys for, for Alden Smith so he can get sacks. Cole Beasley is the miniature version. He is so dirty on these little rub routes that he gets other guys open. So <laughs> that's what I'm concerned with is just the route combos, their secondary options away from Diggs, absolutely murdering you, keeping the play alive or keeping the drive alive with key catches. Well, I'll say this. You know, Brandon State has done a great job of not just putting Jalen Ramsey on one guy the whole game. You don't know where Jalen's going to line up. There was a couple third downs where Jalen covered Zach Ertz uh, last week against the Philadelphia Eagles. There was some where he covered Deshaun Watson. There was some where he covered the rookie. I mean, he was all over the place. And so – I think you have to continue to do that because, again, it's, it's a chess. You're playing chess, right? If I put uh, Jalen Ramsey on Stephon Diggs, they're going to try to throw it to this guy. All right, then one third down I may do that to try to mess up the timing. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to you have to find a way to get pressure. And, and I feel like the Rams are so close. Like, we're talking about this matchup and what Jalen Ramsey can do and can he stop Stephon Diggs? I don't know because Stephon Diggs was once a young pup uh, of the week when I was doing this this show, and he has only gotten better. And Jalen Ramsey's been a young pup for a long time. Now he's being this dog, and he's dominating. But how do you help Jalen Ramsey? Aaron Donald has to get a sack, show up. Not just pressures. I think pressures were happening in, in Philly. It's time to get to the quarterback. You have to get him to move his feet. You have to get him to get his eyes down and start to worry about that 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 pressure in that front. Michael Brockers has to step up. Sebastian, Sebastian, Joseph Day, Leonard Floyd, Samson, Ab- all these guys have to somehow, some way, you have to try to wait to sack this guy. And even if it is him holding the ball, running around all crazy, kind of like the Russell Wilson um, uh, deal, you have to find a way to get him because if you can get his eyes to come down, the whole game changes. I'll only add, not just get him, but chop the ball out because Josh Allen will put it on the deck. He's got 24 career fumbles in 30 regular season games, including two. Uh, in week one against those Jets. So he he is a bit ball insecure, not just throwing with his targets, but also when he's on the move. Let's wrap up this segment with a, with an over-under and Stephon Diggs, who's tied with Atlanta's Calvin Ridley for the NFL lead in receiving yards, 239. If I were to say over-under, 80 yards receiving this week against Jalen Ramsey and the Rams. Over-under for Stephon Diggs. I'll take the over, but I still think the Rams get the win. I think they're going to jam the ball into him. I really do. Um, 
do you, can you see Buffalo really just trying to run the football consistently against the Rams? Okay, so I see you're saying that Buffalo's going to take his chances because Stephon Diggs is our key to moving the football and yeah. scoring and winning. So I can see him like 100 yards, but 10 yards a catch. You know, something something small, short stuff, screen stuff. Just get him the football away from Jalen Ramsey. You know, and you know, a, a decent day by him, but not enough to be a game breaker. And JD, yeah, I'll be devil's advocate now, I, and I know Stephon. I know. They're going to force feed him. They have no choice to force feed him. But um, I just feel like that matchup, like if he's on him the whole game, I can't see Jalen giving up 100 yards. I mean, he's what he's done to DeAndre Hopkins, what he's done to some of these great Julio Jones, the Julio Joneses of the world. Like, I, I just don't, I just don't know if that if that can happen. So uh, I know Stephon is going to get the ball. He may get a ton of catches, but I don't think he's going to get over 80 yards receiving. All right, let's turn our attention to Jared Goff next, who's a top-five pro football-focused graded quarterback, which means he should be in the early MVP conversation. And yet here's a third consecutive week where I'm not sure much of the country would pick him over his opponents. We're previewing week three in a trip to Buffalo for the 2-0 Los Angeles Rams on 710 ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Buffalo Bills, the only team in the NFL to rank top five in both total offense and total defense through the first two weeks of the young season. That's going to change. <laughs> DeMarco Farr, MJD, JB Long. Welcome back to Rams All Access. Because, DeMarco? Uh, I bet McVay gets him. So here's my thing is, yeah. could I make the case that the only thing that slowed down McVay and Jared Goff so far has been the Rams themselves? Yeah, and you could take it one step beyond, but it's not that type of show. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this might be the best defense they've seen so far. You know, I think this is going to be the fastest, most athletic, the quickest defense. It's definitely not the strongest. These are smaller guys that can mm -hmm. run. Um, I think Philadelphia was the opposite. I mean, that that's one of the strongest D-lines, man for man, you're going to see. These guys can pick you up and move you back. Dallas was a big, strong D-line. This is going to be quick. These guys are built for turf. Um but, look, a lot of guys get beat with their eyes. And you know Sean McVay, is a, he's a master of smoke and mirrors. He will get you looking one way and then roll back the other. But I'll say this. When the Rams offense, Jared Goff, when they create the space on boots via play action, don't be surprised if Buffalo is in your hip pocket faster than these other two teams. Upfield on the backside? Upfield up or just they redirect faster. They're fast, they're quick. This is how Leslie Frazier trains his defense. So they're not going to be shocked or surprised by boots. Remember what I said about Dallas. I'd be surprised if they played the third play action mm -hmm. bootleg correctly. I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo knocks your teeth out on the first one. They will be ready. Just to put some doubt in your mind. Just to sell put some out doubt in your mind. It. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of it depends whether or not Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano play. They're off-ball linebackers who are great in coverage and have good length and speed. And we'll get the latest on the Buffalo, Buffalo injury report in four-down territory a little bit later on. But, Maurice, it, it's a different game if they're on the field. They were not last week in Miami. Uh, no question they're a different game. Both guys, uh, if we talk about uh, Milano first, he's been around. So he's seen a little bit athletic, understands that defense. Um, and knows where everyone needs to be. Now, Edmonds is a linebacker, but when he first got there, Milano was the one that was getting everyone set and ready to go. Um, 
over the last couple of years, obviously Edmonds has kind of taken that over. Edmonds has been when they just wanted him to play fast, right? He's athletic. He's tall. He's long. Um, he does a great job of identifying uh, run plays. He's not necessarily a striker when he tackles you, but he's a solid open field tackler because of his length. He's more of a safety. If you if you want to think of a guy, um, I, I tried to compare him to a guy. And yes, this guy's a Hall of Famer, but uh, Brian Erlacher. He's not like the most aggressive linebacker, but what he does in that system, which is a cover two system, similar to Ur- what Erlacher ran in Chicago, he'll cover the middle of the field. He has length, he has speed, and he can take away the middle. So the one thing that I, I will say, DeMarco, and we, we we haven't really hit on it, and JB, you said it best when we were calling the game against the Eagles, if Sean McVay knows what you're going to be in, he knows how to attack it, they're going to attack it. Mm. That's the thing with the, the Buffalo Bills. They're not going to run too much. They're not going to be too crazy. I mean, they're going to try to be too high safeties, cover two, cover six, um, they may blitz here and there, but they believe that their front four can get to the quarterback, and their pass and their 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 secondary can cover. Um, Wait, hold on. So if you're saying two high safeties, here's a Rams team that's shown you they're willing to run it 40 times per week through two weeks and two wins so far. That's what I see. So let's just take a matchup, and you're talking about a cover two, and I'm with you. I love Les- Leslie Frazier's scheme because it benefits the D tackles. It's this would be perfect for Aaron. I'm just saying this sort of scheme. Ed Oliver is one of those defensive Absolutely. tackles for this group. You're just a three technique, and all you got to do is blow up the B gap. So go to Vic Beasley on the left side versus Rob Havenstein. What don't you want to do if you're the Rams? You don't want to have this big guy drop back and try to catch this little guy all day long, right? So why don't you make it easier and put Vic Beasley in a box to where he has to take on Havenstein 90% of the time with two hands. Run the ball. So uh, instead of side to side – trying to uh, get play action off that. I bet you see a lot more straight-ahead stuff with the Rams. Let the bigs be bigs this week. I think you actually have the strength advantage and then play action off that, which means straighter dropbacks, deeper passing down the field, attacking this cover too. Straighter dropbacks mean you're going to leave Jared Goff in the pocket where he has not been on platform much this year so far. All, out of play action. Off of play action. Make sure you. you get the defensive line to buy run first and then drop him back. But that's what I mean. I but I bet you let your bigs establish the ground game, establish the line of scrimmage against a smaller D line. It's interesting because David Edwards steps in for Joe Noteboom at left guard. We'll see him make a start. I think there's a case to be made that that's where he should have been all along. Maurice, I'll let you comment on that. But first, I want to get your thoughts on week one. It was Malcolm Brown's show to run. Week two. Man, Cam Akers gets hurt on the first drive, and here comes Daryl Henderson uh, receiving and rushing the football. Who's the guy in week three? Uh, well, I think they're going to try. I mean, they want it to be Malcolm Brown because he understands, but I think that everyone else has the ability to make those plays. Uh, it can be anyone, to be honest with you. It's, it's all about the hot hand, and, and that's when you do things by committee, which this whole offense is by committee. There isn't uh, like we're just trying to throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. We're just trying to throw the ball to Julio Jones. This is a committee, and so Robert Woods is going to get his opportunities. Cooper Cup will get his opportunities. Uh, every back that plays that's up is going to get their opportunities. Every tight end that's up is going to get their opportunities. They're going to spread the ball around. But then whoever's hot and whoever starts making plays, similar to what happened last year in December when Higby got hot, you started to see more designs for Higby to go out there and make plays. Similar to last week, Higby got hot. You started to see more designs for Higby. Week one, it was Malcolm Brown got hot, so they started to see more designs for Malcolm Brown. I, I just think that Sean McVay is going to go with whoever is hot and, 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 and whatever that 
person's skill set is. So week two was uh, Daryl Henderson. You started to see less downhill, more stretch and cut because that's what he did well at Memphis. That's what he's done well. You see him more on the outside pitches. I mean, he started to get rolling. All of a sudden, he breaks off a 47-yard yard run. So uh, they're going to go with whoever has the hot hand. And that, that's one of the things um, running back by committee helps you with because you have to be on point all the time. Instead of just saying you're a workhorse, we're just going to give you the ball. Well, what I liked is uh, all those backs impacting the game as a receiving threat as well. You could see Daryl Henderson kind of flip his hits and, and bring in that ball inside the five last week. That's what they envisioned for him out of Memphis. I do want to give Jared Goff his credit coming up, but let's touch on left guard just real quickly, DeMarco. From your perspective, how did David Edwards acquit himself uh, coming in for Joe Nopum last week? And is there a case to be made that this should have been his job all along? I think Edwards is a smart guy, knows the offense. You can put him anywhere. Uh, they like him. He's a Wisconsin-type type guy. So uh, if, if it were, going back to draft, we said this before, if it were between two guys and one was an offensive lineman from Wisconsin, I'd take the Wisconsin guy nine times out of ten. But Edwards is a guy that I think is going to be or could be better for the offensive line than Joe Noteboom because he's healthy and he played last season. He's not trying to work himself back up to 100%. He's already there. So I think Whitworth is playing great. He I is. think this, this is really going to help him, especially in the run game. Uh, Boom kind of got caught up on these combination blocks where they're trying to slide off to the second level, and uh, some of these linebackers had free runs to the football. All you got to do is get a piece of them. I think Edwards is at least good enough to get a piece of guys or get on them and, and cover them up. So the run game has more of a chance to pop there. So, yeah, I, 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 there's – I think you might even see them start to get better incrementally as an offensive line with him in it. Uh, I don't think he's better than Note Boom. I don't want to say that, but I think if you just keep repping him and he's healthy, they're healthy, they're playing at a high level, I think the offensive line as a whole has a chance to get better now with him in it. I mean, this is where you're, you're reaping some of the rewards of the dues you paid last season. You didn't want to have to play a lot of these guys as rookies last season. They were in unfavorable circumstances, to say the least. Pittsburgh comes to mind. But now that experience has turned into depth, and you lose a left guard and note boom, and there's an argument to be made you hold ground or maybe even improve. We'll see how it plays out. All right, here's Jared Goff performing like a top-five NFL quarterback in a golden age of quarterbacks. And to my eye, this is the third week in a row where he's playing second fiddle to his counterpart. Dak, I get it. It's the Dallas Cowboys. He's on the franchise tag. Uh, he beat you last year. Carson Wentz, we went in-depth on that last, last week. That could have cut either way in terms of who's played better so far, who's got the better resume, what stats do you favor, and who do you want moving forward. At least in his wake, I think Jared can say, hey, I'm the guy from the class of 2016 until proven otherwise. But now you compare him to Josh Allen, and there's a lot of people out there who I think if they had their choice right now, including Pro Football Focus, who's salivating over someone who they, they once maligned, would take him over Jared Goff again. Maurice, what do you make of the fact that QB1, 16 in horns, is the undercard again in this quarterback matchup? I love it. I love it. I, I think you always have to prove something every game. And it may be, you know, as a, as a as a, I remember going into games, I would go against Chris Johnson or Arian Foster, and they'd be like, oh, Chris Johnson's better. Like, okay, well, I got to show you. <laughs> right. I got to go out there. I'm going to practice a little. I'm going to be more dialed in. I mean, and, and, and for the quarterback, um, I think for Jared, it, it's it's awesome to be under the radar. Right. You don't need just continue to be under the radar and continue to play well. He's playing efficient. And and that, that I think that's the thing that we we don't as a as a media, as the media or just people in general. When you watch football, we hate the efficient guy. 
we hate the guy that shows up on time every day. We hate the guy that does his job and you don't have to correct him. Hmm. We love the guy that is going to like, wow, you. he may show up at six. You know, you may say be here at 9 a.m. He may show up at noon, but he's going to wow you with stuff. And you're going to have to go back and correct some things. But wow, like that to me is, is ridiculous. Jared Goff has been efficient since he's been in this league. He's had his struggles. But when you watch him play, he's been the same person from day one. Um, and so I think he's, his, his efficiency is what kind of bores people. It's not, oh, we don't see him throwing linebackers like Josh Allen. We don't see him with this amazing arm and can throw all over the yard. No, he doesn't have to do that. He has the arm strength to do that, but he doesn't have to. He plays within the confinement of the scheme. And guess what? Joe Montana was a, was a, a, a game manager or a quarterback with a scheme. Tom Brady quarterback that played within his scheme guys that have won multiple super bowls and championships are those has been those guys they're not they're not gonna i mean when you talk about tom brady you don't talk about how exciting he is and it's all that it's like oh tom's just gonna win another one hmm. and so i think when you look about jared golf that's where you want if, if i'm a quarterback that's where i want to be in that where i'm just going to be so efficient i'm gonna do my job all the time that's what you expect and i can consistently just do it and be efficient and guess what? You'll just rack up wins. And that's what we talked about last week. As good as Carson Wentz is, he gets hurt. He misses games. Jared Goff has literally been here all the time and yeah. has consistently gotten better and been more and more efficient. Uh, you guys have seen The Karate Kid, right? Johnny Lawrence. You know, he's he's the villain in the movie, right? I mean, I think Jared Goff is the same way. But last week, I think it was head-to-head because it's, Car- it's it's Wentz versus Goff. And I think Goff outplayed Wentz. Wentz was bad. Can we say that? Yeah, I mean, there's some real question marks in Philadelphia yeah, right now. he was bad. And some of that offense was actually working. He just couldn't get the ball there. But I think that is a legit head-to-head matchup. This week, it's more like golf. You're not playing against Josh Allen. You're playing against the course. I like that. Yeah, so just stay within yourself. Let's see if you can top what you did last week. Not, Don't worry about this guy over here. It's going to be a completely different attack, what he's doing. All right, so golf is your analogy. I'm going to go with basketball because when he throws that no look to Robert Woods on the end of round last week, which is a rushing touchdown, to me it was like the perfect embodiment of the point guard he's become. And there's nothing wrong, I don't think. Sean talks about using your five eligibles. He's got all that and more. And McVay's willing to utilize them. Jared's willing to utilize them. And there's still untapped potential here. They've hardly even used Gerald Everett as a mismatch, as a target yet. Uh, This running back portfolio is just coming alive. Robert Woods going to face his former team in Buffalo, I I think still hasn't really got off on those deep over routes that he's he's known for. so I think I think Jared leveraging the talent around him with his unique ability um, to find the right man at the right time in stride on target and get yards after catch better than any offense in the league. You're right, Maurice. I mean, it it's never going to be Patrick Mahomes. It's never going to be Josh Allen. But you might get more of Jared Goff in the long run because of his nature and his ability. As, as long as he and Sean are partners and as long as, as these skill sets are around him, which we know they've been extended long term, uh, the institutional advantage, I think, is is strong in the Rams' favor. That being said, he has been in very favorable circumstances. And I still think there's a big question, can he create off-schedule when necessary? Can he deliver on platform under pressure? The Rams right now have, I think, the third best um, yards to gain on third down, meaning their circumstances have been very much on schedule to their advantage. What happens when you got third and 12 and you have to pick it you're up? You're in trouble. You know you're in trouble. I think that's fair. Uh, 
look, they used to uh, – there was uh, – what did they say? Dome teams can't win Super Bowls, right? Yeah. This was a saying way back when. Well, they can if they keep everything indoors. <laughs> they do, and we did. And, look, um, if, if you stay on schedule, if you stay out of those bad situations, and it is possible for a football team to stay out of those situations mm-hmm. more often than not, uh, you just have to be smart about what you're doing, then – You'll you're, you'll never put your offensive line on front street, and Jared Goff never has to face too many of those situations. But you know what it is. I even showed you a clip. I think it was the first third and six, a real pass down where you got to pick it up through the air, and it was five on four, and Philadelphia won. All four guys won. Mm-hmm. So you have to stay out of those situations. That's job number one. You are not built to be that football team. You're built to be the football team that spreads it around and moves it and stays in third and manageable and shorter. Can the 2-0 Buffalo Bills be the group to put that Rams offensive line and Jared Goff on front street? Hasn't happened yet this season, but perhaps week three is the Sunday. We'll go with four down territory and get some insight from the Bills side of the equation as we continue. On Rams All Access, you're listening to 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we continue with Rams All Access with Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponents' territory. And this week, week three, a trip to Buffalo to face the 2-0 Bills. Marcel-Louis Jacques covers the Bills for ESPN's NFL Nation. And uh, let's start with the quarterback because Josh Allen for a couple of years had been known for his uh, lack of accuracy downfield and his turnover-worthy plays. For all his upside, Marcel, he seems to have eliminated those two downsides this year. Are you believing in Josh Allen's start? I am believing in Josh Allen's start, and part of it is the personnel around him. When you look at his top receivers, his rookie year in 2018, it's Kelvin Benjamin, it's Zay Jones, and it's Robert Foster, none of whom are, are really playing meaningful snaps for an NFL team right now. But right now, he's got Stephon Diggs, he's got John Brown, he's got Cole Beasley. These are known commodities in the league. They are above average to excellent separators across the middle of the field. And most of all, they're giving him targets that let him know, hey, you don't have to be the hero. You don't have to will this offense to success on any, every single play anymore. You can trust your guys. And that's what we're seeing from Josh Allen through two games. We're seeing him trust his playmakers to do exactly that, to make plays. When you look at his games against the Jets and Dolphins last year, I mean, he usually tears Miami up with his legs, but not necessarily with his arm. And they're winning games and dominating teams because of what he can do with his arm. So long answer short, yes, I'm a believer in Josh Allen's hot start. How about in front of him? I mean, if you see a team rotating guards with Aaron Donald coming to town, that's usually a recipe for disaster. But I guess at least in Buffalo's case, Marcel, they're healthy. They're just trying to find the right mix at guard. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. And and both Quentin Spain and Cody Ford are – our mainstays on the offensive line. They were starters for them last season. Quentin Spain actually famously did not allow a sack. That was a big selling point before he signed his three-year deal this offseason. Uh, what they're trying to do, though, is, is incorporate Cody Ford into that right guard spot 
that John Feliciano vacated when he's you know, out with a torn pectoral muscle. And then try to sprinkle in a few snaps for Cody at left guard just to see what's the best possible move for him and for the team when Feliciano does return in what's looking like a week or two. So I, I think it's it's kind of a concern that they're they're shuffling around a bit with Aaron Donald coming to town. But at the same time, I don't really think it matters who your offensive linemen are. When Aaron Donald comes to town, the entire offense is on red alert. Yeah, fair enough. Marcel Louis-Jacques is our guest on Four Down Territory. He covers the Bills for ESPN's NFL Nation. You know, on the other side of the football, can you help us make sense of the injury report? I know there are some questions at off-ball linebacker and now maybe uh, an issue at at slot corner. Uh, still a ways to go in this week before game time, but what would be the most concerning to you if someone were to be inactive defensively? Uh, the biggest concerns are it, it's kind of a 1A, 1B with Jermaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. Uh, they were missed last week with a, a, a shoulder and a hamstring injury, respectively, there. And the Dolphins tore them apart. And the issue there is, across the middle of the field, the issue there is now that blueprint is on tape. And now the rest of the league can see, okay, if these guys aren't playing, this is a weak defense in the middle of the field. When Mike Gusecki is, is putting up triple digits on you and Ryan Fitzpatrick is looking like Fitzmagic again, what do you think? You know, what do you think the Rams, what do you think Sean McVay wants to do when he's got a guy like Jared Goff, he's got players like KB, like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods who are adept at getting the ball short and, and running after the catch. It's a, it's a problem. If you're, if you're the Buffalo Bills, that is an issue. Now, luckily for, for Buffalo, both Milano and Edmonds have been able to practice each of the past two days. Uh, Edmonds in a red non-contact jersey and Milano not wearing red, but also just playing in a limited fashion. Uh, it's a positive sign for Milano, who wasn't able to get on the practice field at all last week. Uh, but it is worth mentioning that Edmonds did get in two non-contact practices mm. last week before being ruled out on Friday. So it's one of those things you really got to wait and see. But those guys are, are true catalysts when it comes to uh, when it comes to can they play and can they make an impact on Sunday. Last question, Marcel. Tredavious White got paid in April. Uh, Jalen Ramsey got paid just before this season. I think we know Ramsey's going to roll with Stephon Diggs. Help us determine who do you think White matches up with and which of those two do you think tips more in Buffalo's favor in week three? I don't think the I don't think Tredavious White is going to necessarily shadow anybody. I think he, he remains on his side of the field and just lines up with whoever the Rams trot out toward him. Especially with you know, since they've got a one A, one B situation with Cup and Woods, it, it's kind of hard to to say you get, you got to, it's kind of hard to pick your poison mm-hmm. there. So uh, I'd, I'd obviously, like you said, Jalen Ramsey should line up against Stephon Diggs. Um, that is a, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch, man. Uh, Diggs and Josh Allen are both in the mindset right now that it's not time for Buffalo to shy away from anybody. So I don't think they're going to avoid Ramsey by any means. Um, but I also wouldn't expect Allen to take unnecessary risks to Diggs. If you watch the Miami tape, he threw some 50-50 balls up to, up to Diggs that were probably closer to like 20-80, 25-75 in favor of the defense. And Diggs is just, he's a star and came down with him. That's against uh, Noah and, you know, apologize if he's some reason listening to the show. I don't want to butcher his last name, but you know who I'm talking about. I hear you, yeah. Byron Jones is yeah. filling. Exactly. Byron Jones is filling. That's against a backup rookie. Not an all-pro like Jalen Ramsey. 
So I, I, I wouldn't expect them to push the, to push the envelope to Diggs. I, I think they take whatever they're given. But expect a, another big day from, from John Brown and from Cole Beasley. These guys were kind of forgotten about uh, after the, the Diggs trade or, or cast off as, okay, this is going to eat into their production. Not at all. Not at all. You look at, this, at the numbers, it's a two-game sample size. But they're on pace for 3,000-yard receivers this year. They're, they're playing about as well at the same level as they were last season. Cole Beasley, a little uptick, obviously. So, you know, I, I think that, that Buffalo is, is a lot better suited for a matchup with Jalen Ramsey this year than it was last season. Marcel, fun speaking with you. Have a good rest of your week and looking forward to week three at Orchard Park. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, man. Wish we could have a, you know, wish could be an entire experience. And y'all traveling media out there could experience the, the food we have to offer in Buffalo. But, uh, you know, everybody's going to enjoy watching on TV, I'm sure, just the same. Yeah, regrets from our end, too, but it sure beats the alternative. Take care, Marcel. All right. Thanks for having me on. And we continue with DeMarco Farr. Maurice Jones-Drew also uh, on the line from a distance today as he prepares for Thursday night football between the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do want to touch on special teams briefly, gentlemen. I don't want to dwell on it. It has not been a bright spot for the Rams. Uh, they've had miscues in the kicking game, a missed uh, field goal, a blocked PAT, uh, some penalties, and then in the, the fumble return last week for Cooper Cup nearly gave that lead away. Uh, my, my point is only to say they better be careful because it feels like they're playing with fire. And in the context of an offense that's back in 2017-18 mode, in the context of a defense which looks like it's more than capable and has yet to surrender a second-half touchdown, it would sure be a shame if your special teams this year are not up to task and start costing you games. I'm with you, man. Um, The last thing I want to see is like a block punt. or just something catastrophic. Uh, you get a field goal blocked again. Was it the PAT that was blocked? PAT. Uh, which yeah. is, you, you can't have those blocked. I mean, you've got to be better there. I don't expect or necessarily need explosive plays out of special teams. You know what I mean? Just be solid yeah. and don't ruin Sunday. So I, I think they're capable of that. I, I haven't seen anything that would say they're, they're a bad special teams yet. Have you? Well, they're in the bottom tier. It's a small sample size, yeah. but they've they've made just about all the mistakes you can make. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you saw what happened to Atlanta. Yeah. Hopefully it's out of their yeah. system. Yeah. You've talked about it now. This is week three, so I think everything that could go wrong on special teams has, so at least you have some evidence to get – so you can talk to guys and, and get them on the same page. Fair enough. Go ahead, well, Maurice. You want to chime in on that? Yeah, I was going to say, DeMarco, you said something the best off air. Like, because of the, the shortened offseason training camp, the one thing that's going to get – thrown to the back burner is special teams and and the little nuances of special teams, right? So, you know, the the onside kick that we saw with the uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons and Dallas Cowboys, uh, the technique, because you couldn't really do – you couldn't really do field goal live. And people don't understand, in preseason, that's where you get your live special team reps. You don't normally get those in practice. And so if you ever did those in practice, that is a place where guys get nicked up or hurt. So – you, you, th- this is kind of the action that you're getting in these situations. And JB and DeMarco, we all went to practice. You never saw a field goal live. Like Sean would say, Sean McVay would say live, but it really wouldn't be live. It'd be like one or two or three steps and they'd stop. So this is the first time this offensive line and those blockers are getting that live rep. So you're going to have mistakes. The question is, is can you learn from other guys in the league? Can you learn from the mistakes that you've made and move forward? That is the most important thing. Because if you get another field goal blocked, 
or a PAT block, that's an issue. If what? if Cooper Cup catches the ball inside the five again, that's an issue. Now we have to start addressing these things a little bit more. You just hope it's the first time it's just like, okay, you know, shame on me, I didn't know, or shame on me, I messed up, but it shouldn't happen again. Who's on the hotter seat? Cooper Cup as a punt returner, albeit he only made one mistake, right? He's unlikely to do it again, but I think all of us are a little uneasy with that choice, or Samuel Sloman as your place kicker. Like, what? what's your oh. Facebook status with those two right Cooper now? Cooper Cup could never be on my hot seat. You know, I'll say this. If that was JoJo Natson, I think I would have gone crazy because that's all you do. That's all you bring to the to, to the equation. But Sam Sloman, I mean – Sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. I, I agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly, yeah. except for this. If you're picking a guy over the JoJo Natson of this team, which right. is Simba Webster, then that guy cannot make, quote-unquote, JoJo Natson mistakes. Right, but I'm mean, just saying with Cooper Cup, he made the mistake, and then on offense, he kind of paid you back. You know no what doubt. I mean? So, yep. And you wouldn't be in that situation without him, so I, I get that. But, um, you know, Sloman, look, there's a lot of guys, a lot of place kickers on the street, man. You know how you haven't built up the resume or the credit that Greg Zerline did. Greg Zerline kicked this team into the Super Bowl. So and he just kicked the Cowboys into winning. That's, into a, he just, they had he to just win. kicked the Cowboys into a, a season. That's what I mean. Exactly. So, look, uh, you know, there, there there could be a quick loss of confidence, mm -hmm. and you'll start the audition process. So, look, you've got one job. You got to hit these field goals and PATs, or let's start picking up the phone. Hmm. That's just that's the NFL. That's the way it goes, especially for young place kickers. Coming up next, I'll, I'll, oh, go I ahead, Maurice. Real quick yep. about Cooper Cup, and, and this is the one thing I don't I don't fault him for doing that because he was trying to make a play. It wasn't like he it hit him and he dropped it, right? He caught the ball. He he broke a couple of tackles and he, you know, a guy hit the hit the ball out of his hands. I don't fault him for that. I, I think when we talked about this, JB, about Sloman, he drives the ball so low when it comes off his foot. It, I mean, it comes off low. That's how I was able to be blocked. I don't know how you correct that. And so that's when it becomes a concern. Like my my concern level is more with Sloman just because of the, the trajectory of his kick. Is just so low that it's easy if, if you get a little penetration, you throw your hand up and you can block it. Hmm. All right, one segment of Rams All Access still to come. The NFC West is once again the best division in football. Can any of the opponents give the Rams a break this week? Plus, our mea culpa tour for Micah Kaiser. What a turnaround. The NFC Defensive Player of the Week. We'll talk about the Rams inside linebacker as we continue to preview week three in Buffalo on 710 ESPN. All right, we'll run through some key NFC games, especially in the NFC West, which only has one loss so far, and it's been head-to-head. -head. But we do want to give Micah Kaiser his due, the reigning NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And, DeMarco, I think there's a case to be made that was the biggest question mark coming into the season, off-ball linebacker, might have a chance to be a strength. And, and what I see is Brandon Staley even in sub-packages against Philadelphia not taking – Kenny Young or Micah Kaiser off the field, instead pulling an outside linebacker or a defensive lineman and playing to their speed and strength. They're as active as anybody in the National Football League, and Micah got better from week one to week two. Uh, it wasn't necessarily missed tackles. It was Micah being out of position. I think they corrected that. He was mm -hmm. more on the ball last week, and it showed up. He was player of the week. But I like those two guys. Uh, I think they're both uh, run-and-hit types, and they're tough. They're tough as nails. I mean, uh, when when they are when they're faced with blockers or lead backs or tight ends, I mean, they don't shy away from contact. They try to go through to make a play, and 
they seem to really want it. You know what I mean? They want to be good. They're not being tentative. And I think they're being coached hard. I love the fact that Joe Barry's their coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, as much credit as we, as we gave Robert Sala for being an energetic type guy almost on the field, Joe Barry is the exact same way. So uh, I think Micah and uh, – uh, I, I think Micah especially has a really good chance of really improving week in and week out. He was wearing Miles Sanders' jersey last week in Philadelphia. Maurice, how about a quick running back preview from Buffalo? They've got Devin Singletary as the one and Zach Moss, the rookie, as his backup. Yeah, when you look at Devin Singletary, very elusive, slippery. Think of uh, Miles Sanders in a way without the speed. Um but he'll be utilized just like Miles Sanders in the passing game. He'll line up out wide. They'll try to match him up on Micah Kaiser. I mean, they're going to try to take advantage of that. And Micah Kaiser is going to have to prove himself every time. And then Zach Moss is a very, very strong downhill runner. Falls forward all the time. Um, he'll be utilized in the passing game a little bit, not as much as Singletary. Uh, but Zach Moss, if, if you want to be – he's been, I guess, compared to Marshawn Lynch. And that's the Rams have seen that as Rams fans. You've seen that when Marshawn was in Seattle. Think of that type of running style. So it, this, this, these linebackers are going to have their hands full. But again, I, I felt I feel more comfortable after seeing what happened in Philadelphia um, this week. All right, let's power through the NFC West. Seven and one collectively, as well as the Rams have played. They don't have much to show for in terms of the standings. How about Detroit 0-2 against the 2-0 Arizona Cardinals? Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, are they for sure contenders now? I think Arizona is going to be the surprise team of the year, or at least in this division, as long as everything stays the way it is. I mean, I think Hopkins has been the difference maker. And Kyler Murray, we saw it at the end of last year. He's going to keep improving, and they're going to keep giving him more to do. So they're going to be dangerous. And I just feel the exact same way about Detroit. I think that's a rotten tooth. Hmm. At some point, it's it's going to be yanked. Staff, and maybe you move on from Stafford at some point. They may not make it to the bye week in Detroit. Maurice, not a bad thing to have a win head-to-head -head over the 49ers at their place already in your pocket. No, not at all. When you talk about the Arizona Cardinals and what they've done, they've gotten better. Um, not only have they gotten better, Kyler Murray to me is in that MVP race. He may not have the numbers like a Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott or some of these other guys, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, but his impact on that team is seen week in and week out. And, and for them to go into to San Fran and beat San Fran was um, was kind of the, the the statement of the league. Every Every year a team goes from worst to first, and it seems like the Arizona Cardinals are kind of on that path. 49ers have gone back in time. For Kyle Shanahan, it must feel like the injury depletion is rearing its ugly head again. Fortunately for them, they're in a soft spot of their schedule. They stay in the in the East. They go from the Jets to the Giants. Not a win to be had along the way. The Niners could be banged up and 2-1 and one if they get this at the Giants. I think the Giants actually get them. You do? Maurice, I, I, what I do you think? I think there's too much. Yeah, for San There's no way. San there's no way the Giants get them. There's no way the Giants get them. Wow, back up I'll, everything. I'll bet you a sandwich. <laughs> Mike, only 30 seconds left to go? Oh, we better power right. through. Uh, last one, uh, Cowboys, Seahawks. DeMarco, this is one you say, can, can they both lose, right? Is this your line? I, I wish, but I'll go with the Hawks. Maurice, Cowboys, yeah, I'm gonna one take and the, one. I'm going to take the Seahawks, they're man. Going Russell Wilson and company, they're too much right now. Man, you could um, be putting the NFC East to sleep then in terms of their playoff hopes. No question. I think that's what's going to happen this week. All right, we'll see if the Rams or the Bills finish week three at 3-0. and oh. Thank you for being with us for Rams All Access on 710 ESPN.